Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello, my name is Kaylin and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. Um, if you're just tuning in and you're expecting to hear Joe's voice from Radical Australia, I'll just let you know that because it's our 10th birthday show this week, Joe has kindly given us some of his time today. So thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, so as I've just mentioned, today is not only a special show for us because it's Mental Health Week, but also Brainwaves is celebrating being on air now for 10 years. So Brainwaves first started in 2010 um, with Ben Ronaldo being the founder of the show. And if you listen in to the end of the show today, I'll play one of Ben's earlier um, episodes or a clip from one of Ben's earlier episodes. So I guess if you didn't know, our weekly show is presented and produced by people with lived experience of mental health issues. Uh, it's also proudly sponsored by Wellways, which is wonderful. Uh, and during our 10 years, we've aired over 400 episodes. In that time, we've had shows that cover a wide range of topics. Some of our previous shows have been related to women's mental health, early interventions for psychosis, legal rights for consumers, mental health in the media, stigma in the workplace, promoting community inclusion and music as a means to recovery. And in 2012, Brainwaves won the Excellence in Training Award by the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. And then the Brainwaves team went on to then win uh, the Community Engagement Award in 2014 with 3CR Radio Awards. So that's just a little bit about Brainwaves before we get started today. But now I'm going to hand over to Susie, who's kindly offered to start today's show with an acknowledgement of country. So Susie, I'm going to hand it over to you. We at Brainwaves would like to acknowledge that this episode was created on the lands of the Kulin Nation, land of the Wurundjeri people, and we acknowledge them as the traditional owners of land never ceded. We, re we pay respect to their elders past and present and all other Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Thanks, Susie. Well, thanks, Rebecca and Susie, for joining us today. Um, and apologies, we couldn't get... Um, Unfortunately, Terry and uh, Suzanne couldn't join us today. Um, but yeah, it's our 10th anniversary. So happy birthday, Brainwaves. Woohoo! And also um, Mental Health Week, which is also exceptionally important. So um, before we get started, um, I thought we would, you know, go through a couple of questions so we can talk about how we came to be here at Brainwaves and what we love about it. So I'm going to start off by asking my lovely team here, um, how did you come to be on Brainwaves show? Susie, do you want to start first? Um, yes, well, I found myself um, finishing a counselling degree and working on the helpline at Wellways. And as it, in life, often chapters open and close. And I think a chapter closed after about two years on the helpline. And um, my team leader and supervisor encouraged me to come over to um, 
radio, which is fairly interesting in view of the fact that I had a severe public speaking phobia, but it just shows you how your life can change. No, Susie, one of the things I'm most proud of um, of my time being here on Brainwaves is actually seeing you um, overcome your um, speaking phobia. So, And you've become one of you know the best interviewers that we have here. So that's really awesome. And yeah, Kiara was a great team leader at Helpline. I'm glad she brought you across. So she did a great job. And Rebecca? You got the job. You got the job, public relations. <laughs> <laughs> and Rebecca, what about you? Yeah, well, I first got involved actually from Kiara because she had posted in, um, yeah, my university's Facebook page. And I, this was back when I just was first studying journalism. I really always wanted to be on radio and um, the interest of like mental health and that was something that I, like I've always had and I thought it would be an amazing opportunity and yeah and I applied for that and yeah four years later I'm still here (laughs) (laughs) and we're very 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 happy about the fact that you are still here so it sounds like uh Kiara has been a bit of a driving force for all of us because that's my story as well um I was a volunteer at the Boys Helpline as well um and then Kiara went on maternity leave and I came in and Lauren was still here at that time and then Lauren left and then I came in and helped here with brainwaves so that's kind of my story as well um all right so how have you enjoyed your time here at Brainwaves? Susie? I've loved it, actually. Um, I've found it a great personal development. Um, one of the biggest challenges for me because I, in my 60s, was um, learning all the technology and I confronted that head-on. If you, if, well, you possibly don't remember because I was working with Lauren at that time, but I used to push through being frightened to panel, which, where you've got all the lights and switches and you're live. Um, so I've pushed through it, but I'm avoiding it like the plague now. Um, <laughs> um, uh, you know, so I guess personal development, meeting the team and, and the amazing people at 3CR, they, they really are quite a revolutionary crowd and um, the wonderful guests that we've had. Yeah, definitely. And what about you, Rebecca? Yeah, very similar to Susie. It's it's like a wonderful experience and you and it's just like a privilege to be able to talk and to hear other people's life stories like it's not it's not something um you really you really get the chance to and yeah i think everyone we've had on the program has brought um and shared something so like meaningful with all of us that i think it's it's hard not to be like affected by it because yeah, it's, yeah, it's an amazing experience and it's been so rewarding and has, yeah, helped me so much with my own personal like development and also helped me shape kind of the kind of future I want to go into, like as I progress through my career. Mm. And yeah, what is that progression taking you to now? It's definitely changed yeah. a bit, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, now I finished my journalism bachelor last year and now I'm currently studying a master's of counselling. So definitely it's helped a lot and hopefully in the future that it'll just, it'll continue to expand and just yeah. grow. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. That's awesome. 
Yeah, I think for me, it's exactly the same. You know, I've really enjoyed working with um, all of you guys. I think you're all amazing and you have um, individual strengths that complement the show. I also have loved learning about you personally and, you know, your own struggles and things that you've gone through. I think that's helped me face some of mine as well. Um, but yeah, the guests that we've had have been amazing. And yeah, like Susie said, I can't thank the 3CR team enough. I think they're an amazing bunch and I feel very blessed to be a part of that family as well. So yeah, all right. Well, how long have you guys been on the team, Susie? Yeah, well, I've been with the team getting on toward three years, starting with the initial six-week training course. And I just want to add something actually um, about why I'm here, and that is it's a it's an wonderful platform to affect change and mm. um, I really do try in my life generally to try and make change in society any way that I can grassroots change and um, being on radio and getting topics um, discussed um, is a wonderful way to advocate particularly on this show for people with mental health and disability issues absolutely yeah definitely and Rebecca what about yourself how long have you been on the team uh, since, yeah, since training would be about f over four years now. Um, but I think last week I was on my, like four years ago last week, I was on one of my first shows. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's exciting. Oh, wow. That's great. And yeah, so for me, I've been here since 2018. So that's about two years. Um, but yeah, for me, I guess, um, what was I going to say? Two years. So yeah, I remember that we celebrated with uh, cupcakes. I think that was like one of my first few episodes where it was the, the, that was our eighth birthday. Yeah. So that was when I joined and it's been a, a wild ride since then. Um, so the next question I'm going to ask you guys is what is your highlight from being on brainwaves? Susie? Um, well, it's not exactly a highlight, but it's a show I'll never forget. It's I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> um, when, um, we had a, a, get a fairly high-profile guest who was coming in and unfortunately he was late because he was caught in Extinction Rebellion traffic and it's all I can tell you is that's a show I'm never going to forget. He did arrive, um, but going live on radio um, when your guest hasn't turned up is um, uh, certainly... An experience but we deal with it again wouldn't we Kayla? Oh, in, in the absolutely in a heartbeat I think once you've uh, handled a situation like that you kind of feel a bit you know um you can take on the world you can do anything but no that, uh, that was a very funny episode and unfortunately for our listeners you won't be able to hear that because I did actually edit all that out of the, <laughs> in the in the podcast but yeah no it was a great show um and a highlight because I'm smiling now as I'm talking about it <laughs> Yeah. And, and Rebecca, what about you? I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't really say there's really been much of like a highlight. I feel like the whole experience and all the shows that go ahead, like, like there's like individual parts of it, which like are funny. Like there's been multiple times where there's been like screw, screw ups of like, just even, even like how, like I've pronounced a word or someone else has yeah. pronounced a word and we've just ended up laughing. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just, I'd say probably a highlight would just be getting to be on the show and also being with the other volunteers and talking mm. about the staff. But yeah. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, for me, a highlight I would say is um, as much as I love having the, ga- the guests on, and I absolutely do. Some of my most favorite shows have been where it's been just us literally having a talk, you know, and going back, Susie, I remember there was, there was a show where we had an open mic. And I think it was one of the first ones that where you just sort of, you know, overcome. I think you'd just done that, that, that great speech that got you over that hump and you're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not sure. And then we it ended up being one of the greatest shows we've ever done where we just all talked together and it was free and it was fantastic. Yeah. And those are the memories for me that I love where it's sort of just very organic um, yeah. and develops naturally. And I think it was a really powerful show too. So, yeah. Um, and funny stories, I guess Susie's already told mine. That would probably be one of my funny stories is, yeah, the uh, the whole trying to get everyone on air and, and not being able to and, and that was that was quite a, a funny one. But have you guys got any funny stories? So I think um, the only really thing that comes to mind is I think it was like I think it was my second ever live show, and I did a lived experience like talking about my own life, and I can't remember exactly what it was about because yeah, <laughs> so many topics. Um, but I remember. And, and it happens all the time. It, it's the studio. It's a lovely studio, but always happens. Um, it was like a really crucial point when I was like talking and it was kind of really upsetting and the microphone had dropped. Oh no. Like it full on dropped in the studio and all of, like all of us, like, oh, I remember like Christine, Lauren and Ivana and I, like, we were all just trying not to burst out laughing because it was, <laughs> like, it was hilarious. And then um, I think it was later that day, um, Christine had messaged me and she was like, oh, don't even worry about it. Um, my friends just thought you were crying. That's it. <laughs> but it was, like, it was, like, the biggest fail. And it's happened so many times where the microphone has either dropped or the microphone has changed position. And then you kind of have to like rotate your head around because otherwise it'll make the squeaking noise. Of the chairs. Yes. There's the chairs. (laughs) And you don't want to do that when you're like on on live. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh dear. So um, what would, who would be your ideal guest? And Rebecca, I'm going to throw this to you first this time. Yeah. Well, when Lauren and I were kind of, on the show we we've always had a discussion about this that if we could julia gillard like we'd just get her on yeah um yeah unfortunately she hasn't replied to our emails so well she's a bit busy over at uh being the ambassador and all that and beyond blue so i imagine (laughs) she's she's got to wait maybe she'll listen in and she'll hear our call and she'll she'll get in touch so if you're listening julie gillard we want you on the show please please contact us (laughs) yeah and susie what about you yeah, I can't come up with a name as such, but my ideal type of guest is someone who's suffered great hardship and um, shown resilience and is able to inspire hope for our listeners. Mm. And we've had numerous people like that on the show. Oh, absolutely. Um, for me, it's always looking for a positive, no matter how bad things have been, Yeah. Um, to give people hope that they too can overcome things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, so how do you think Brainwaves helps listeners and why is it so important for the show to keep running? Rebecca, I'm going to throw that to you again. Well, yeah, I think it's just 
like the whole program being based off the like a lived experience um, or a carer, like I think it's I think it's important and what yeah often often people don't talk about like stuff that's going on in their lives um stuff that's affected them and I mean in the past like four years since I've been on the program it's it's been a lot easier to advocate and talk about mental health but years ago like a show like this wouldn't even be like a possibility so I think just even having like the opportunity to be able to present like issues um, and talk about certain issues and like complex mental health conditions. I think it's important because a lot of the times when people are going through a rough time, we often feel alone and feel isolated. Mm. So being able to go and like pick up like your phone or tune into the radio and then hear someone of like a similar similar background or similar experience like talk about how they've been able to like overcome and how they've been to be able to push through it like I think that's really important um because yeah I think a a lot of the times people just don't want to feel alone and they don't want to feel isolated. So it's, I think it, it raises awareness, it reduces stigma, but it also, I think makes people feel a little bit better about themselves and how, yeah, how their life is going. Yeah, definitely. And what about you, Susie? Yeah, well, it would be hard to add too much to what Rebecca's just said, but Essentially, I hope our listeners find that it it makes them feel inclusive and not marginalised because there are other people experiencing similar, sometimes worse, sometimes less worse um, things than them regarding mental health or disability. Mm. And um, it would probably assist carers in um, understanding better ways to manage um, their loved ones when they're having episodes or when things are going badly for them. And uh, again, what keeps coming up, both of you have said, and we are breaking down stigmas around mental health. And I'm pretty sure that 2020 is going to be an eye opener um, for a lot of people. Hopefully there'll be more compassion and um, more understanding of people who suffer from the wide variety of um, mental health conditions. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you completely. Um, yeah, I think that, as as you said, Rebecca, you know, when Bromos first started, there was very much that taboo around mental health. And whilst we have come a long way, and I'm really proud of, you know, the way we've come, I feel like there's still so much work to do. Um, I think about the things that, you know, I've, I've learnt through uh, Brainwaves, you know, about individual diagnosis. I think there's so much, um, you know, depression and anxiety have become a common household word, which the stigma is less in that space. But I feel like there's a lot of other mental health conditions that aren't treated with that same respect. And I feel like that's the work that we still have to do um, in breaking down those barriers and, you know, the misconceptions and stereotypes and things like that, which I've seen us do, which is amazing. I also love the fact that we have, you know, this amazingly long uh, catalogue of 
podcast there because I feel like, you know, if I was coming into this situation with new eyes and not had experience, as, as you said, Susie, as a carer or as, a, as an individual coming to realise what's happening for me, the resource there is amazing. And I feel like listening to people's stories, connecting with those people, you know, even when we've had, you know, experts and other people on the show, all that information is really helpful. So I, I really hope that, um, you know, anyone that is listening, if, you, if this is a situation that's new to you, you know, use that resource and, and, and have a listen because there's some really, really great material there. And, and we've had some great interviews with people that I think would really help. Um, but, yeah, for me, I think I've, I've also loved listening to the lived experience within our volunteer team as well. I feel like each one of us have enabled a connection with our listeners as well, whether it's through chronic pain, anxiety, depression, um, you know, all sorts of different things. We've been able to sort of show that empathy ourselves as a team, which I think is really important, um, which has been really great and having that connection with listeners. And it's often feedback that I get as well as people like knowing that, you know, we know what we're talking about because we've been there. So that's really powerful as well. Now for the rest of the show, I'm going to hand it over to Susie and Rebecca to talk about some of their favourite episodes and some of their favourite guests. Just a warning for our listeners that um, some of these clips may contain uh, references to sexual assault and suicide ideation, um, as well as incarceration drug use. If any of this content may be um, distressing for you, it might be a good idea to tune out now. Over to you now, Susie. This particular show was my, the first show I was involved in and I was brought to thinking about it this week when the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade literally this week just accidentally released email contact data for Australians trapped overseas trying to get back home at the moment. And it reminded me of this show way back in, when was it? September 2018, my first show, when Senior Counsel Greg Barnes, who's an eminent Australian barrister, who also, by the way, supports Julian Assange, um, came onto Brainwaves to, to discuss his major concerns about trusting the government with our health data, because my health record came into effect as an opt-out system only. And like me, he was concerned about discrimination occurring within the health system due to the sharing of data and also the security concerns. Um, and I'm pretty sure that many people listening who've ex suffered mental illness will have felt discriminated against at times within healthcare settings. So listen to a little bit of what Greg had to say here. Look, as an organisation, Wellways, that particularly cares about issues relating to people who live with mental illness, um, some of whom have suffered discrimination in the past, do you think my health record would worsen this? And what other groups can you think of, of people that could be affected, Greg? Well, I think any Australian could be impacted adversely by it. I think certainly vulnerable people who are within the prison system, for example. I mean, you know... Uh, if you look, for example, at the way in which ASIO uh, and the AFP conduct themselves, uh, one could imagine circumstances where they got access to my health data in order, pro in order to profile people mm. uh, and to uh, and to misuse that data. Mm. Um, you know, you, you you should never trust organisations like that that have so much power and in this country so little scrutiny. Mm. Yeah. I'm even thinking of like 
um, even some sort of domestic and family violence situations, yep. if you have sort of a husband or somebody who works in one of those organisations and then has access to all of your data, that's such a big security and privacy risk to some of these people in such vulnerable positions. Mm-hmm. And it's just so so wrong to be able to have that, that power and influence over somebody. Well, look, I don't disagree. And we've already seen uh, cases where there's been breach of... Uh, uh, information or information that's been released to people inappropriately Mm. Mm. in a domestic violence setting by police, for example. Mm. Um, And uh, one could... You could never be assured about government at the Commonwealth level, which just doesn't break privacy seriously. And I think that's the point, that that, that we do not have a culture in this country of politicians taking privacy seriously. Yeah. Uh, We see continual leaks of, uh, of data... Uh, There's no culture of uh, being able to enforce rights uh, and politicians taking the right to privacy seriously. Mm. Yeah. Um, Some other groups that I thought of when I was looking into this subject were people living with HIV. Um, uh, Actually, it occurred to me celebrities could be vulnerable um, Mm. if their data was accessed, their address... You know, that's yeah. well, it's more that it's more that, for example, particularly with the stigmatising of people with mental illness. You know, um, the last thing you want is uh, data being available, uh, so that, for example, uh, you you can get uh, the profiling of people on the basis that mm. uh, look they're suffering a mental illness, they're more likely to act in a particular way. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's start surveilling them. Yeah. Now, now people might say, "Oh, this is conspiratorial." Well, it's not. We know mm. that it happens. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And with employment and stuff like that, surely that's a, yeah. a huge concern. And certainly in the area of employment, but but you can't. Um, you, you, you also we also know that there is a trade in uh, data. That is that mm. uh, criminal activity associated with uh, with the stealing of data and the misuse of that yes. data. And again, the onus is on the government to convince us that privacy protections are in place. None of that has been done in relation right. to my health mm. record. Yeah. yeah. We've had quite a number of guests come on with lived experience and I found our guest, Philippa, who came on around October 2019 to be a really inspiring example of how to overcome adversity as she talked about suffering a literally devastating and life-changing injury and since then she's turned her life around. Um, Philippa is actually now a life coach, but hear a little bit of Philippa's story of how her life changed after literally breaking her back. So I know that this experience that you had did impact on your mental health. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Early in the first two years, I was stuck in my story, stuck in my story. That's all I could think. If only it hadn't have happened. If only I didn't walk there. If only I'd gone somewhere else for lunch. Oh, poor me. You get so caught up in your story that everything in your life relates to your injury. Everything becomes tied into your injury. Um, My children, my husband, or everything in my life just tied into my injury. Mm. To the point... You become the woman who fell over on this day. Yeah, it becomes all-consuming. All-consuming. I, I can relate to it. I can actually yeah. relate to it on a personal level. Yeah. yeah, it becomes all-consuming. And at one point, I didn't want to go on. It was all too hard. I had plenty of medication, plenty of pain medication. I could have stopped 
just then and there. Um, I used to get phone calls from my husband or my children during the day and looking back, I know they were just checking in on me. But at one stage I contacted a friend whose husband had a car accident and talked to him about this concept of do I want to be here or do I want to end it? And he was really helpful. Oh, that's good. But there was definitely days when I just didn't want to do it anymore because mm. you felt like a burden on your family, mm. a burden on your children, a burden on everybody. And people don't believe you and mm. people don't know what you're going through. And and I was a vibrant, busy, six-inch high-heeled walking woman mm. who suddenly had a crutch and a walking stick. And we're walking around in flat clogs black ones at that <laughs> yes well, they're yeah. not black today let me tell no, you no, she's no, got the most black. beautiful silver shoes on yeah chrome chrome oh chrome, chrome. Oh, oh. yes yeah so it just tore down your identity and tears down yeah. your identity yeah mm. um one thing i did learn is now my identity isn't linked to what i do for a living my identity is me doesn't matter what what job i do um, who I talk to, where I live, what I wear, I don't need that anymore. I have right. learnt. And that is part of coming to terms with you being you mm. post a trauma, yeah. mm. is not saying, well, I used to be Philippa, the auditor, mm. the educator, the union rep, all of those things. I couldn't put those tags on myself anymore. Mm. So you think, well, I'm nothing and when you think I'm nothing, that's when you think, why am I here? Yeah. Mm. And that's, I guess, that resilience that Susie talks about when she speaks of you. She's, you mm. know, you can hear that just mm. in your voice now that, mm. that you've taken something and you've gone, okay, well, I'm going to use it to empower me rather than to pull me down, mm. which is great. Oh, and mm. it doesn't happen in the first. Oh, of course mm. not. No, it, yeah. it, it takes time. And I think it's only we were just discussing before the program that you've realised you are resilient now, but whether you would have identified as that a few years ago, um, but yet you were coping with terrible trauma um, at the time. So you are resilient, you're still here. Oh, and... I know I'm resilient now. <laughs> yeah. I'm well aware. And I look back to you know some other things that have happened in my life where I've died on operating tables and things, and people said to me, then... And I wanted to slap this person. What kills you doesn't what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Well, you know what? That is true. Yeah. If you can tap into it. That's right. Yeah. Just saying that to someone doesn't who's help. not down, who's <laughs> down and has had some crap happen to them is really, really makes you angry. Yeah, it's like saying calm down, that works too. Oh doesn't yeah, it? that works really well. Yeah. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> Another show that I actually organised myself and did a lot of research into, but then unfortunately wasn't able to be here um, due to personal circumstances, was with um, leading Australian lawyer Rob Starry and his sidekick Marco Mann. They came onto the show in around November 2018 um, to discuss how we need an evidence-based medical model of treating people who commit crimes due to drug or alcohol addictions instead of the current punitive, ineffective, totally ineffective lock-em-up model used in Victoria and around Australia. Um, a medical model is used in many European countries and crime is reduced 
healthcare outcomes are better and society outcomes are better. And here are Rob and Marco having a few words to say. So Rob, on, um, on that note about um, the prison system, could you share with us a little bit more about drug use in prison, crime recidivism and mortality and more morbidity rates on release? Yeah, well, we, we know, firstly, here's some interesting statistics. We know that it costs about 140000 per year to incarcerate an offender. Um, we know that um, there's a 40% prospect that within two years of release, they'll reoffend. that person will reoffend in such a serious way that they'll return to the prison system. So we know it's cost ineffective. We know that as a policy in dealing with particularly drug addiction, it's ineffective because people reoffend. So unless we deal um, in a systematic way with those issues, drug issues, mental health issues, um, then we know that people will simply be recycled through the prison system. And we've seen that in our own practice. Um, ironically, uh, and, and uh, I'm aggrieved by the fact that we haven't done enough about this personally and, and within the legal profession, um, that we have a, a, a recidivism recidivism rate that is so high that the whole system's based on people reoffending. Mm. Um, and so um, we know that uh, um, if a person has a drug addiction problem, there are underlying issues, whether it's family dysfunction, whether it's um, untreated psychiatric illness, whether it's, um, uh, whether it's um, other factors that give rise to um, the mental health issues and drug addiction. Unless you deal with those issue, is, issues more effectively, people just end up back in the system. Mm. And so um, it's only really in recent times, and I'll, and I'll give you this interesting mm. statistic, but it's really only in the last 10 years now that we're adopting a, a different model of diversion. And curiously, um, the, uh, the model's been adopted um, because economic rationalists have said on a cost-effective basis, it's unjustifiable, it's, it's, it's unsustainable to incarcerate people as the way to deal with their drug addiction, particularly. The other statistic we know is that the prison system is really the repository for the mentally ill. We know about 50% of pr prisoners suffer um, uh, serious diagnosable mental illness. Uh, so um, we've failed, but um, there are at least some voices, still a bit in the minority, that say, well, we've got to, we've got to deal with it differently. Even if, even if you just look at it as a purely as a cost uh, effectiveness issue. Yeah. Similar to the episode with Ro lawyer Rob Starry, again, Greg Barnes came in onto Brainwaves to discuss how we need a therapeutic model to look after people suffering from mental illness or intellectual impairment who end up in the criminal justice system, so-called justice system, I might add. So here is Greg having a few powerful words to say about that. Um, Greg, how long have you been practising law and in the bad old days, what was the situation generally for people accused of crimes who had a mental or intellectual issue? That is, what resources and supports were available for those people? And do you have any horror stories that yeah, you can talk sure. about? Yeah, sure. No, look, uh, I mean, it's a good question, Susie. So I, I was practising law first in the 1980s and then I went and worked in politics for about 12 years and then came back. Um, the, the situation in relation to mental illness and the law in some ways has not changed, in some ways it has. Uh, the way it hasn't changed is that we still lock up 
vast numbers of people in our prison system who have mental illness um, and who just shouldn't be in prison. Uh, they're not violent people. Uh, they're not people from whom society needs to be protected. Often they're people who have just got numerous offences and reached the point where that's the only perceived to be the only option. Mm. The the other point though is that you do have people, um, and there is um, certainly evidence. There's a case uh, I've seen cases where people just languish in the prison system for many years with a mental illness where they haven't actually been. Um, because they've, they've essentially had an insanity defence, as we used to call it, where mm. uh, they're not deemed to be fit to stand, stand trial because mm. of a mental illness, they're just effectively incarcerated. Now, they might be incarcerated mm. in psychiatric facilities, but it's effectively incarceration yeah. for many, many years and forgotten mm. about. Mm. Um, there's one notorious case in Tasmania, a guy called uh, McCrossan, Jamie McCrossan, who was in jail, sent to jail, I think, in 1991, um, and remained there until 2018 um, simply because uh, he was deemed to be a dangerous offender. He had severe mental illness. And, of course, the longer you leave people in these systems, yeah. the worse mm. it gets. And yeah. It's sort of chicken and egg uh, situation. Uh, one of the most important shows I've been involved in, which has been played a few times by request, is when Sally came in uh, last October 2019 to discuss her experience of living with bipolar, literal daily suicide ideation and the terrible loss of both her beloved brother to suicide and since then she's also lost a very good friend to suicide. Um, it's a very difficult topic and it's hard to get people to come in and talk, but she's such an inspiring person. Um, so here's a few words of what Sally had to say. Um, Sally, you've told me previously that you experience um, suicide ideation very regularly and you have done for a long time. Um, what does this involve and, more importantly, what strengths and techniques do you use to overcome these thoughts, in particular your use of creativity? Yeah, so on an almost daily basis, I think about suicide and I um, imagine how I would do it. And it used to really scare me and I felt really frightened um, about it and worried that I would take that on as an action. Um, so I started to turn it into a bit of a theatre in my mind. So it, I'd make it like I'm watching a show about myself, um, but it's away from myself. So rather than resisting these thoughts, I've learnt to, um, to embrace it as a sort of creative show in my mind and I watch it play out in my head yeah. um, and somehow by not resisting it, I, I can actually just watch it play mm. um, and it helps me to take myself out of the ideation and into the place of a spectator and when I do that, it really affects me emotionally and upsets me to the point that I automatically feel a desire to do something else. Um, and then that's when kind of my um, mindset kicks in that I need to do something to get out of this. Yeah. And I usually turn to creativity to help me. Um, that's always been a tool to get me out of my head and into my body. So I tend to um, gravitate towards creation rather than destruction. And I paint mm. and sculpt and sing and write um, so that I can assist with my well-being and get myself out of that mindset. Yeah, and I've, um, I've seen some of your work and you're very talented. 
Thanks, Susie. That was great. Now I'm going to hand it over to you, Rebecca. What were some of your favourite shows? Yeah, so I think one of my favourite shows had to be um, back in March in 2018. Um, was Terry and I, we talked to Carolyn Worth from Casa. Uh, so that's the Southern Eastern Centre for Sexual Assault. Um, and yeah, and, and I remember doing it because we... It was a telephone pre-record interview. So I think I was extremely nervous as I was paneling and I was trying to make sure that the phone call was actually going to go through and that um, it wasn't going to, yeah, it, wa it wasn't going to be horrendous. Um, and yeah, and it was quite an interesting topic as Terry and I, we we spoke to her about a lot of things, um, especially the Me Too movement, which as everyone knows is still like a very powerful thing today. Um, and yeah, and she just, yeah, she just had so much information and was so educated about sexual assault um, and kind of gave us an insight into what it's, what the center does um, and yeah. And you can listen now to a bit um, of the interview with Carolyn Worth. Would you like to make some comments on the Me Too movement um, and could you describe it to us? Are you in a position to comment on that? I can try and comment on that. I saw, I saw it starting. We have a large social media presence, CCARS, yes. so we saw the Me Too movement starting and then it moved from my perspective, to the celebrities in Hollywood and to yes. the, um, I've forgotten what night that was, the Golden Globes, was that right? Uh, I think I think so. So I think what had happened is it was a, it was on the week, um, I think Harvey Winstern or Weinstein. something. Weinstein. Yep. Um, so basically I think someone tweeted saying if all the women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote Me Too as a status update we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem That's right. and then that from there right. it kind of went it viral did. it did so look that's actually right so from our perspective when the harvey weinstein issue hit the press that we noticed that there was this upsurge for us in our social media contact but also the me too movement started then the women went to the golden globes in their black dresses most of yes. them making the point that they'd a number of them had actually suffered sexual harassment at the hands of Harvey Weinstein and other people. I thought that actually for the whole field was, at the beginning, a really terrific thing because these are women people admire, people look up to, they read about their lives. So I think it gave a huge boost to publicity about this sort of behaviour is not acceptable, that you should come out and break the silence. And I think women have been doing that, and I think that's actually really terrific. Mm -hmm. Only comment I'd have about it is you need to do more than go on social media in the end, because you could just end up feeling terrible that so many people say me too, and we then have to take some action. It's like going back to the 70s when it wasn't enough to just put up your posters. You had to march and you had to ask them to change legislation, you know, all those sorts of things. And, and provide more resources for places like CASAs. Well, that's right, and have more resources provided. And you're right, back when 
all of this started in the mid-70s. There were no cars and there were no resources. Mm. So I would never say that things are as they were then, which I hear people occasionally say, oh, things are terrible. Well, things were terrible in 75, and there were lots of gaps now and lots of things that could be improved, but things have improved. There is somewhere to go. You know, people can post on social media and can have an exchange with other people, and it helps them break the silence. I think my next favourite show was back in November 2018. It's kind of funny that everything I kind of enjoyed was back in 2018. Um, But, yeah, it was the show we did where it was just a discussion between Kirsty, Zach, um, you, Kaylin, and me. Um, And we did a review about How Mad Are You? I remember um, that one. SBS documentary. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting as it was, yeah, I always find the team discussions are just quite intriguing. I think they're probably one of, like, the best shows that we really have as we kind of get to sit down as a team and, like, discuss discuss and, like, um, analyse something, which I think is, yeah, it can be really important um, to hear different people's views and that. Um, but yeah, so, and the documentary was amazing, definitely was very surprising. And it was kind of like a mutual thing where um, we all kind of were judging like, okay, who's got this mental illness and who's got that. So yeah, I think that was an amazing show. Um, but yeah, probably favorite guests. I think everyone probably knows this as I always talk about it. Um, it's probably just Emma Finch, um, the art therapist we've had on the show, like for years. Um, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, she like she's amazing, and she was the first person I interviewed when I first started on Brainwaves. And yeah, um, so yeah, I just think her story is incredible. What she does is incredible. But yeah, and here's a clip with Terry and Rebecca talking to Emma Finch. So I was just asked, wondering, what is art therapy? Right, well, firstly, I'd just like to say thank you and thank you to the listeners for having me here. Art therapy is a treatment where you use art materials as a means of communicating um, issues of concern, issues of despair, anxiety, depression or chronic illness. And so um, through using art materials, um, we um, get to discover... uh, what's happening on your journey so it's all about putting your feelings and emotions down on the page or paper or whatever medium suits you and then with the help of the therapist we take you on your journey to discover your your healing and it's not about the end result it's all about the process you go to so we're not looking at you know pretty pictures at the end we're just looking at uh, a, a story of what's actually taking place and how we can make changes to help you on your journey. Thanks Emma and can you tell us how that might relate to the adult colouring books that we're seeing in all the shops these days? Well, there's a lot of controversy with art therapists in, around the world, especially in America, about what is art therapy. And these adult colouring books, they are art and they're art as therapy, but they're not actually therapy, art therapy. Art therapy um, is done in a safe 
environment. It has um, boundaries of time and space. You also have an art therapist present. And the outcome of why you're there to um, have art therapy is different. You come for a purpose to change something in your life which isn't working for you. Whereas the art therapy colouring books, they can be therapeutic and they are very th therapeutic. It's really quite nice to sit down and colour in and do work, but it's not the therapy. The therapy comes with the talking of the work and things like that. By all means, they, they are a good substitute if you feel like you want to de-stress. And that was a clip from um, Rebecca's favourite person, Emma Finch. And as promised earlier, here's a clip from the early beginnings with uh, Ben Ronaldo, where he interviews his parents regarding his early onset with mental illness. Good afternoon, listeners. If you've just tuned in, welcome. You're now listening to Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive time radio show, giving voice to people with mental illness, sponsored by the Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Your host today is me, Ben Ronaldo. Actually, it's a bit of a family affair today. I have some special guests here with me in the studio. Today, I'll be talking to my parents, Tony and Liz, for you to hear from them a carer perspective on what their experience of their son becoming unwell with mental illness has been like for them and the supports that they accessed. I would like to welcome Tony and Liz onto the show. Mum and Dad, how are you doing? Fine, thanks, Ben. Good, thank you. Uh, we've had a few challenging a bit of a challenging time over the past few years in our family with me experiencing the onset of mental illness in 2006. Uh, Dad, before I became mentally unwell, what did you know about mental illness? Oh, not much at all. Um, certainly didn't know what the symptoms were or what to do about it. Uh, we'd never heard of a, what a psychotic episode was. Uh, probably had a vague idea of what a mental breakdown was, but a bit of an outdated term. And we certainly didn't realise that so much could be done in regards to treating mental illness. And how did you know that I was mentally unwell? Well, initially, um, you were depressed and anxious and we became increasingly worried about that and encouraged you to go and see a psychologist. And um, despite the fact that you were speaking to her and... Um, taking some medication, um, you developed some uncharacteristic behaviour, you were talking too much, not sleeping, compulsively writing emails into the night, and it really scared us that you were depriving yourself of sleep to finish things were, which were not high priorities when you needed to be getting on with your um, university thesis at that time. But we really knew something was very wrong when you borrowed money to go to Fiji. You spent money irresponsibly while you were there, which was very uncharacteristic for you. And when you came back, you were out of touch with reality. You were alternately fearful, sobbing, hyperactive or overconfident. Yeah, it was a scary and confusing time for us all, wasn't it? As mental illness affects a person's mood, thought, perceptions, emotions and behaviours and um, as my mental health deteriorated, uh, my the form and content of my behaviour and what I was saying was certainly erratic and out of character. So what did you do? How did you react? Well, we were very concerned. We, we didn't understand what was happening. Uh, we tried to spend more time with you. We, we tried to dialogue and to talk sense to you, but 
as the illness progressed, you just uh, weren't able to hear us or, or listen to us properly. And we sought help from a psychologist and from doctor. Yeah, um, I can remember uh, my own mind was playing tricks on me and I, I didn't know who I could trust. And um, with the intense range of emotions I was experiencing, I could um, tend to get very agitated and um, even express anger and frustration to those close to me, those um, who I loved and um, who loved me. And I think that was a very difficult time for you as my parents. Um, was it easy to find help? Um, it, it was easy to a certain level, but it wasn't easy to get uh, booked in to see a psychiatrist, and it wasn't easy to get the health professionals to see the need for psychiatric help for you. If you're just tuning in, you've been listening to Brainwaves on 3CR, and that was a clip with Ben Ronaldo, the founder of Brainwaves, from early on in our 10 years of being on the air here at 3CR. And that's it for us today. So on our 10th birthday Mental Health Week special. But before we wrap up, I'd like to say a big thank you to Wellways for their ongoing support for this program. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone who has ever given their time to produce and present on Brainwaves over the past 10 years. I've been fortunate enough to work with some really wonderful people in the two years that I've been part of the show. Another shout out to Kiara and Lauren, who were also a big part of the production and coordination of Brainwaves over the years. And to my current team, Rebecca, Suzanne, Susie and Terry, you are amazing at everything you do. And thank you to everyone who has given their time to come onto the show and sit down and chat with us, sharing your personal stories and your knowledge. Um, I would also like to say a massive thanks to 3CR and the whole amazing crew. Your ongoing support has been just wonderful. And as I've said earlier, you've made me feel very welcome over the past two years. And I am very proud to be a part of the 3CR family. And lastly, a very special thank you uh, to our listeners who we wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't have a show without you. And we hope to be here for you for another 10 years to come at least. You can find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Um, if you've got a story you'd like to share, we would love to hear it. Or if you'd like to send us some feedback or suggestions for future shows, then please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thank you so much for listening to our extra long special today. Um, we really appreciate it and we hope you all stay safe and we'll be back with you next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.